I'm very serious about this. Up until Thanksgiving Day, I refuse to acknowledge Christmas. And in fact, there has been, since the beginning of November, a Christmas tree in our lobby. And it made me angry. But I came in today. Weather's nice and cool outside. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with friends and family. It's Christmas time now. We're at the end of November. Thanksgiving's already gone. It's Christmas time now. I'm for it. We can celebrate. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm glad to be back in the studio with you. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Or you can send a message through the KPL app chat, which I have just logged into. So I can get to your comments as soon as you send them in. There is a lot that has gone on over the uh, past several days. I did not get to everything that I wanted to get to before we left for the break. Um, I spent a lovely time in Natchitoches. Shout out to Natchitoches, by the way. Because they incorporated on the right weekend, because it's the weekend I was there in their uh, in their fireworks show that we went to see on Saturday night. They included a drone show, and it was really really cool. A bunch of synchronized drones that were creating shapes up in the sky, uh, gingerbread man, Santa's face, Christmas tree. It spelled out the word Natchitoches. Uh, it was just really cool to. It was very very cool to see that. And then of course the traditional. Natchitoches massive fireworks display. But uh, I did not, I, I I shut off my phone at times. I, I did not open up Twitter except maybe a couple times. I had to do a couple of shifts copy editing at Red State. But for the most part, I didn't pay attention to the news. I didn't want to follow the news. I didn't want any of that negativity. I was with family. I wanted to be with family. I was hanging out with my wife, my kids, my parents, my siblings, my sister's kids. Uh, just, I wanted that time to be away from all the nonsense. But now we're back and the nonsense continues. And I want to go to a piece at National Review by a friend of mine, Beckett Adams. Beckett Adams has long been a media reporter on the right. He does a very, very good job of breaking down the problems in the media, and I want to focus on this one. Something is seriously wrong at the Washington Post. Here's what he writes. The Washington Post is falling down on the job. Its coverage of the war between Israel and Hamas has been so irresponsible, so sloppy, and so tilted in favor of the group that rules Gaza that it's difficult to see it as anything but pro-Hamas. If democracy dies in darkness... Good journalism dies in the care of radical journalists and lousy editors. Last weekend, for example, the Post published a report titled Amid Gaza War, UN Evacuates Babies from Besieged Hospitals, which included a shocking claim. The Israeli army had deliberately targeted Doctors Without Borders convoys. Doctors Without Borders said Sunday that a staff member's relative was killed and another wounded after, an, after Israeli forces fired deliberately on a convoy carrying 140 of the organization's employees and their family members the day before, the Post reported. 
The convoy was clearly marked, said the organization, known, also known by its French acronym MSF, and both warring parties were notified of its passage. As if that weren't bad enough, the total number of Palestinians killed in Gaza since October 7th, when Hamas terrorists murdered an estimated 1,200 Israelis, most of them civilians, stands at about 11,000, the Post story added. There are two problems with this supposedly shocking news report. The first, Doctors Without Borders claim, is outright uh, falsehood. The Post has since attached a correction to its report, which reads an earlier version of this article reported incorrectly that Doctors Without Borders accused Israeli forces of deliberately firing on a convoy carrying employees of the organization and their family members in Gaza on Saturday, killing one and wounding one. Doctors Without Borders described and condemned the attack, but did not name the Israeli forces or any entity as its perpetrator. The article also misstated the number of people in the convoy. There were 137, not 140. Second, the death toll cited by the Post comes directly from the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry. No secondary source has verified or corroborated the figures provided by the terrorist group, and though the United Nations parrots Gaza's numbers, it also concedes that it, quote, has so far not been able to produce independent, comprehensive, and verified casualty figures, end quote, and that the numbers it currently cites come directly from the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health. Beckett Adams, also in this, adds a little aside. He says, apropos of nothing, but remember that weird media trend during Trump during the Trump administration where Trump-related news headlines included the passive-aggressive, quote, without evidence clarifier? One wonders why that habit disappeared. Anyway, back to his story. If it were just this botched report, that would be one thing. But there's a pattern that now suggests the post-coverage of the Israel-Hamas war is not merely sloppy and reflexively critical of Israel, but actually sympathetic toward Hamas. Recall that the Post editorial board recently urged U.S. universities and colleges to exercise more discretion when speaking out on current events. The board's recommendation is a direct response to the conundrum many schools face now as they attempt to balance out the concerns of their Jew Jewish students with the bloodlust of their pro-Hamas faculty, staff, and classmates. It's not a bad recommendation, actually, that institutions of higher learning fo focus more on education and less on injecting themselves into heated foreign policy debates viral news stories, and internecine political squabbles. But the timing of the Post's advice cannot be missed. For years, university presidents have been opining on world events and national policy, everything from immigration law to abortion access to gun violence to George Floyd to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But the Post offered its recommendation only after a historic slaughter of Jews prompted the, recommendation, uh, prompted the spectacle of pro-Hamas students harassing and threatening Jewish students on American campuses. Imagine if there were a trend of white supremacist students harassing black students at U.S. colleges, and the Post responded with the message counting to keep your head down, school administrators, don't get involved, focus on the true purpose of education. The editorial, by the way, came after the Post removed a political cartoon that accurately criticized Hamas for using civilians as human shields because staffers claimed it was racist. That was a lengthy read. I don't like reading long pieces like that. But it's important to understand what's happening. It's not just at the Washington Post. It's at media outlets across the country. Media outlets across the country have taken a very pro-Hamas angle in their reporting. The Gaza Ministry of Health is run by Hamas. It is a propaganda outlet for Hamas. Journalists who are embedded in Gaza have to be approved by Hamas, and we see the results of that 
as journalists are caught on camera wielding grenades that are being tossed at Jews. The media isn't just anti-Israel. That would be one thing, and that, of course, is itself bad enough, but the media is leaning pro-Hamas. They are erring on the side of a known designated terrorist group. And that should be deeply, deeply concerning to Americans. I, hang on, I, I need to, this is, this is me doing this on the fly, and so I'm sorry. Um, I need to read something. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's the First Amendment of the Constitution. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. We're allowed to have a free press in this country. But more and more and more and more, the press, not because of government censorship, but because the press itself openly aligns with the government, we no longer have that free press. We no longer have a press the mainstream outlets, the biggest name outlets, the ones that are legacy outlets across this country, they are openly aligning themselves with one side and they are openly attacking another. And any dissent to the powers that be is considered unpatriotic and dangerous to democracy. We don't have a free press like we used to. The press won't admit it. They certainly won't admit that they are openly taking sides, but that's what they're doing. And they're justifying it in their claims of, of, of democracy, of protecting democracy. But the press isn't free. The press is aligning itself with the government. Even if Republicans are in charge, the press aligns itself with the swamp, with the establishment. The press aligns itself with the bureaucracy. Because people, leaders, politicians, they come and go. But the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy exists to keep government running, to keep government moving. And all of those nice little government programs and all of those little things that if you try to cut, they will attack you for trying to hurt the innocent and trying to kill people because of what you're trying to cut. If you attack the bureaucracy, the press attacks you. The press doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to the bureaucracy. That's why it's not a free press. And we desperately, desperately need a free press. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment right here. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet. We will be back, but first we do have to go and check out our pest of the day. 
And speaking of governments and bureaucracies, we do have a member of our illustrious federal government who is our pest of the day, and that would be Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. I want you to listen to what he said and just how badly he gets one of the most famous conservative quotes of all time wrong. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, As uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Wow, he butchered that one because Reagan, in saying that, was telling a joke. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Miguel Cardona thinks that the government being there to help is a good thing. He is part of the problem. He is part of the reason that things are just so out of whack in this country. And that's what makes Education Secretary Miguel Cardona your pest of the day brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Louisiana's largest independently owned pest control company. You can find them online at JJEXT.com. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. This hour of the show brought to you by Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row. Stop by and check out Service Chevrolet Cadillac. They've got a huge selection, new and used cars right there on the lot at Ambassador Caffrey. 1212 Ambassador Caffrey, you need to go over there and check them out. Or since it is dark, it is late, you can check them out online, servicegm.com. If you go there, not only do you see the new and used cars on the lot, you get access to their parts and service department, Body Shop and Collision Center, Fine Line Custom Auto, The Wash. I mean, you get literally everything is available for you over there. They've got new inventory arriving daily, so it's best for you to go check it out. And hey, have you seen those goofy Christmas commercials where somebody gets a car and it's got that giant red bow on it? You can go do that right now. You can go get one and you can have that giant red bow on it for your significant other or if you want to buy me a car. I guess you could. I would appreciate the giant red bow. But anyway, the point is go to Service GM Cadillac. They are your a number one Chevy dealer nine years in a row here in Acadiana. Their family serving yours for the last 50 years. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet Cadillac. All right. Before we go to our commodities report or bottom of the hour news break, I want to mention this. We had Rob from Youngsville message in. How does this surprise anyone anymore? Talking about the, the media. Look at who, who, who leads the liberal media. The press in the United States only echoes Democratic talking points protecting democracy from Nancy Pelosi's lips to your ears. Do you want to know why? Because there is this in, there, there's this relationship between the Democrats and the media that a lot of people don't really pick up on. Look at how frequently members of the mainstream media transition in and out of Democratic organizations. Jay Carney was a reporter for uh, Time Magazine, became White House press secretary. Uh, Shaley Murray worked for the Washington Post before going to work for Joe Biden. Her husband, Neil King, worked for the Wall Street Journal before transitioning to the home of the Steele dossier, Fusion GPS. Linda Douglas of ABC News went to work as chief apologist for Obamacare during the Obama administration. Jill Zuckman of the Chicago Tribune headed to the Department of Transportation. Douglas France and Stephen Barr of the Washington Post both went to the Obama administration. Jonathan Allen of Politico went to work for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, then back to Politico, then NBC News. Or how about Jim Shuto, a CNN anchor who worked in the Obama administration? Valerie Jarrett's daughter uh, was at CNN there for a while. George Stephanopoulos, the most famous one of these, worked for Bill Clinton before going to 
be an anchor on ABC News. The Democrats run the media, and the, the media runs the Democratic Party. That's that's where we are, and that's why it's so. That's why we don't have this free press. All right, let's take this break. I ran a little long there. When we come back, a couple other stories I want to get to, including AI and your sports reporting. We'll have that more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL two three two fifteen forty two is the number or. You can send a message to the KPL app chat. Shout out to Rob in Youngsville who reached out earlier. That was kind of our closing segment for that last half hour. I want to move on. It's not politics, but it's cultural. And I, I okay. So I um I'm not a fan of sports reporters, except for the ones I've I've worked with over the years. Um, but like the general concept of modern sports reporters annoys me. Um, and I'm not talking like all of the anchors and stuff that you would see on like ESPN. I still, I love watching college game day. I love the reporting they do there, but it's, it's the people who write for like ESPN.com who write for sports illustrated, who write for a lot of these different sports sites. They, 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 the, the, their style of writing bothers me. They're, how openly opinionated they are for a profession that's supposed to be non-opinionated at all. Um, Because sports tends to invoke so many more or evoke so many more passions in people, they tend to write and phrase things in ways that maximize the outrage or the passion or anything like that. It it deeply bothers me. So I, I don't know how, like on the face of it, I feel about this report. This comes from Mediaite. Um, know a few of the folks over there. Uh, this comes from media. I, I don't know how I feel about this on the face of, but it 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 poses a larger problem for the media. And I guess, I guess this is just media reporting day on the Joe Cunningham show. Um, anyway, check this out. Findings from Futurism suggest Sports Illustrated has been publishing AI-generated content and disguising it by including bylines and photos for authors that don't exist. The report, published last Tuesday, revealed that a number of headshots from Sports Illustrated authors could be found on a website used to buy AI-generated headshots. Futurism continued digging for answers but found no evidence the writers in question actually existed outside of SI's website. Additionally, clicking on the names would open author pages complete with biographies and lists of hobbies. A writer by the name of Drew Ortiz, for example, was described as enjoying camping, hiking, and being back on his parents' farm. His headshot, however, was easily found on a website with the description neutral white young adult male with brown short hair and blue eyes. There's a lot, sources told Futurism. I was like, what are they? This is ridiculous. This person does not exist. At the bottom of the page, there would be a photo of a person and some fake description of them like, oh, John lives in Houston, Texas. He loves yard games and hanging out with his dog, Sam. Stuff like that. It's just crazy. That's one person apparently at Sports Illustrated who was talking to this website, Futurism. Futurism also found that Sports Illustrated would regularly delete those authors and create new AI authors. They even went as far as changing bylines on previous articles from the old authors to the new ones, They emphasize that SI never included any editor's notes about the changes of byline. Unfortunately, the practice isn't exclusive to Sports Illustrated. The Street, a financial publication also owned by 
Sports Illustrated publisher The Arena Group was also found to be engaging in the same practices. Futurism discovered in February that Men's Journal published an AI-generated article that was riddled with errors. The Arena Group did not respond to Futurism's request for comment. After that request was sent, an AI, the AI-generated authors previously seen on Sports Illustrated's site were removed without explanation. Not long after Futurism after Futurism published the story, the Sports Illustrated Union released its own statement claiming they were not responsible for the creation of AI-generated content. I haven't read Sports Illustrated in a while. Not even the swimsuit edition. I haven't read it in a while. Um, sport, Like I said, sports, report, uh, sports reporting is... It's annoying to me. I cannot stand it. So I rarely will read sports articles unless I know and have, unless I recognize the writer, I know their writing to be fairly objective um, and all that. But I don't just like if, if something pops up, whether it's, you know, from any site, any sports, I, I, I don't typically read sports articles. Um, I look at the stats, I, I watch clips, I kind of form my own conclusion on how a game went. But for the most part, I try not to read a lot of those stories. And part of the problem now, I think that sports media in general is having this problem. They're not getting a whole lot of readers. I mean, ESPN was struggling with ratings there for a while. I'm not sure if they still are. I haven't seen recent numbers, but uh, a lot of sports media is just kind of, it, it's it's not really doing so great. And I think they know that, and, and I think there's a revenue problem. So places, I think the arena group, because they own not just a sports uh, property like Sports Illustrated, but also own The Street, a financial pub- publication, and Men's Journal, which is a men's magazine, um, I think there's a lot of pressure out there for media companies to generate content regardless of who or what actually writes that content. But in this case, in sports journalism, I think that there is such a revenue decline in the sports world when it comes to media reporting that they have to focus on just generating this content and generating ads um, on their websites and, and page views for those ads to try to get their revenue up, that they're, they're digging into this route to get there. What you have to understand is it's very hard right now. We're kind of we're kind of in uncharted waters where AI is concerned. And, and that's what's kind of, you hear me pausing a lot. It's not dramatic pauses. It's, it's, it's uncharted territory where we haven't really had these discussions very much. I mean, we have discuss, discussions online and stuff like that, but we haven't sat down and, and had this talk. What is acceptable use of AI? What is not acceptable use of AI? On one hand, I think a lot of people view AI the way we used to view calculators in school. You had to learn to do math by hand because you didn't always have a calculator with you. 
if I could look my math teacher square in the eye and pull out an iPhone right now and call them liars for saying that to me, I would. Actually, I might not because I liked most, most of my math teachers. But, you know, you understand the point. You won't always have a calculator with you. Well, yeah, they put one on my phone. It's great. But what about, what about AI? Is AI-generated content ethical? Is using artificial intelligence to help write content, to create images, to do any of these things for digital media landscape, is that, is that ethical? Is it right? Because that's where we're getting. I've... For a while now, and before, like AI as we know it now has kind of taken off like over the last year. But there have been, I, I, and I've known this for at least a decade, there have been apps that were working to, like they were being fed, the algorithms were being fed a bunch of different sports stories, uh, sports terms, stats, things like that, to train them to be able to write a sports story. So for example, there are some apps that teams could use to track their own stats. I'm not talking about like high school teams. They could track their own stats. And these webs, these apps could actually take all of those stats and you could hit a button and it would generate a little write-up for you. Would a sports team itself need that? No, but if there's not a reporter from a local media outlet at your game, you can just send that to them. They have a little blurb to add some inches to their uh, sports coverage for the night. That was a real fear in news crews, uh, newsrooms there for a while. What's going to happen to, again, sports reporting? Because sports reporting is based a lot on stats. Just feed the machine the numbers and let them churn something out. But it's expanding. The use of AI is expanding. We don't know where this uncharted territory is going to get us. And a lot of people are really concerned about it. And then we have this story about Sports Illustrated apparently creating AI authors and putting their names, their images, their bylines on AI-generated content. Now, the way the digital media landscape works is that all you need is the right headline, the right URL, and the right info, and you could go viral. You could get spread on, you could go viral on Facebook, you can go viral on TikTok, you can go viral anywhere, Newsbreak. All of these types of websites pick up this content and carry it. Is it ethical? Is it right? That's the problem we're facing right now. All right, let's take our final break. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet. Check them out at Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette. We'll be back in just a moment to wrap up the Joe Cunningham show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Got to give uh got to give a shout out to Shaky on the app, Shaky and Brobridge uh, ref, uh referring me to the book Slouching Toward Gramora by Judge Robert Bork. Explains the process and decline in our media and our government started in the 60s when the anti-war crowd became professors. That I fully buy that. Uh, and I mean, just look at what's coming out of our universities right now. Uh, I, we're we're seeing that that same anti-war crowd who 
they, they, they've gone full in on this Israel is genocidal thing. These are the same people. Just kind of that the hippies brains have rotted. Okay. I'll, I'll just say it, but I, I'm going to add shaky. If you're listening still, I'm going to add slouching towards Gamora to my list to read, but I need you to know I'm currently reading a biography of Harry Truman. And my next book is going to be, I think it's probably my third or fourth biography of Teddy Roosevelt before I can get to slouching towards Gamora. But I'm going to get there. I also have a bunch of fiction books that I'm reading too, but that my, my nonfiction stack is, is thick and I've been trying to get through it. Audiobooks have been a big help for that, by the way. I'm, I struggle at times with the nonfiction, especially biographies, but I find it so much easier to just put it on to play while I'm driving from my home to here or when I'm uh, when I'm on a road trip, if I'm driving somewhere by myself, there's a lengthy drive. I mean, most of these autobiographies, they end up being like 26, 27 hours on audio if you play it at regular speed. But that's, you know, if I if I get a chance to listen to maybe 30 minutes or so in a day, just from my commute back and forth from the house to here. Uh, OK, that's 50 days for for that, give or take. Uh, that's not terrible. That's not the worst thing. So audiobooks have have been my uh, my go to for nonfiction books. I I still read the fiction books. Uh, former Red State colleague of mine, Mo Lane, is a is a science fiction and fantasy writer. He's got several books out. I've been reading those. Uh, been reading another kind of fantasy series. But uh, the the biographies, the nonfiction stuff, all of that. I've been uh, just. I've been trying to get through those. I finally got through two of the Teddy Roosevelt's. I got through an Andrew Jackson. Now I'm going through Truman. Uh, There's also one, the history of race relations in the U S through the lens of home cooking, uh, the pot liquor papers. I highly recommend you read that one. All right. I'm done for the day, but I will be back tomorrow in 23 hours. The show starts all over again. In the meantime, contact me by reaching out on Facebook uh, at, look for the Joe Cunningham Show on Facebook, Twitter, uh, the Joe Cunningham Show. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, the Joe Cunningham Show on Facebook, uh, Substack, the Joe Cunningham Show. The podcast is going up shortly, so if you missed any part of this show, it will be up soon for you to check out. You guys have a great evening. Bundle up. It is pretty chilly out there. I'll talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.